happen. You know, a lot of my brothers are dead or gone. But they've been hanging on the block a little too long. What can I say? I hope they live to see a brighter day. And the ones that are doing fine, God bless you because you're doing fine. At the end of the day, don't forget about me. As days turn to weeks and weeks turn to gears, oh, I feel for my brother. And as time passes by, I say I'm satisfied. Hanging on the block a little too long. 
chance to get into the chat room but uh it's about that time time for me to hit the button Yes, indeed. So this is the One Night Your Show. We do this show every, every Sunday at 4 o'clock. I got a special guest coming on. It's going to be a big show today. I'm having a great time. My energy is a little off because I've been fasting. So I'm hitting that afternoon crash. Let me light the mics up. Hold on. I'm light it up. Light it up. Light it up. Light it up. Stan, you lit? Yes, I'm lit. I'm lit. Good. That's right. Sandre, you lit? Let me see. Let me see. Am I? Am I? Yeah, I'm in the building. All right. Yes. This rat. <laughs> you know, hey, hey, hey. We didn't plan this, y'all. We did not plan this. <laughs> we did not plan this. Trust me. I don't know how this happened. She wanted to look like me. I know what's happening. He wanted to look like me. <laughs> I'm older, right? I'm older, so watch it. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of months. So we're doing it. Yeah, yeah. Old man. Yeah, yeah. Old man. So make sure y'all share, right? Share, share, share. Share, alike. share, share. All right, and I'm about to start the show, and I'm going to hit it on the one, two, three, and boom. Mm. So once again, you all want to welcome to the One Night Your Show. We do it every Sunday at 4 o'clock, and candidates have been coming on. We had a, a big week this week. A lot of things went on this week. Um, so, Andrea, I know that you are the super activist, so I, I shall uh, divert to you. How was your week, and how did it go down? Well, uh, first and foremost, let me say happy Resurrection Day to all on the third day he rose. So, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy Easter, y'all. Yeah. Uh, so my week, as always, was busy and blessed. Um, I was at Carl Shoots Park uh, nightly this week since Sunday to Saturday. So I was, I'm taking off today. Um, you know, we had our 300th day on Sunday and Reverend Gregory Seal Livingston was our key speaker. Um, today well, I know is that our, was dynamic. Yeah, today is our 307th day since June 2nd. Uh, going consecutively, you know, we're out there educating people, amplifying black, you know, um, you know, black lives and, you know, just sharing, uh -huh. you know, uh, what's going on and just fighting for justice. Uh, Monday, I reached out to Rachel Holiday Smith, a reporter at the city newspaper. Um, I know she's following um, as well as very informative uh, about the 2021 races. Uh, so I know I have been hearing inaccurate numbers regarding how many mayoral candidates there are. According to CFB campaign finance board filings, it is 49 mayoral candidates wow. in the 2021 race. Are you serious? 
49, and I'm going to drop that link in the chat. I it's, thought it was only 26. <laughs> yeah, it's 49. Wow. wow. So, uh, now, now I'm running. I'm going to make it 50. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to round it out. Man, you know, um, on Tuesday, I had a great little light meeting. I met up with Julie, our guest today, um, met with, met with her on Tuesday. And, you know, and that's, you know, that was a cool meetup we had. Um, Wednesday, I was honored by the Isaac Center, you know, it was Women's Month, Women History Month. So the Isaac, uh, they honored myself and Lakeisha Taylor, I should say Lakeisha Taylor and myself for the work we're doing in the community. Uh, Friday, as you know, I'm speeding on, I'm getting to the end of my week. Uh, Friday was Good Friday, as okay. everyone knows. Yeah. Um, that's a day of reflection for believers. Um, I'm used to either physically going to Good Friday services or even preaching one of the seven last words. So I kind of missed that, yes. Um, and also on a different date, uh, seven years ago, I lost my mother on Good Friday. Wow, so, wow. Um, you know, it's for me, that's a testament of her life, you know, her you know, being called home on Good Friday and a woman she was, a woman of God, a prayer warrior and so wow. forth. So it was actually on the 18th, but it fell on Good Friday. And I was in a Good Friday service that night. I uh, went okay. to church that night. Okay. Um, Saturday, which was yesterday, uh, I was with Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney uh, as she hosted her 12th Congressional uh, District Caucus with mayoral candidates and had uh, Diana uh, Morales on. So that was okay. good. So that's recapping and ending up my week. It was busy, but I had a tiny bit of break here and there. Well, fair enough. <laughs> Mr. Stan Morris, you yes, had a big yes, week sir. this week. What, what was going on with you, Stan? A lot going on. The first thing I want to um, speak out against is the ongoing, continuing uh, retaliation that NYCHA mm -hmm. puts on NYCHA residents when you complain. So I had a, a resident that um, has lead and asbestos in her apartment. Wow. So it's been found now. And you're supposed to be removed from the apartment when they removed the lead and the besties. They didn't do that at all. And now they're coming to this particular individual and they're trying to evict her, you know, when they are dead wrong and how they and how they handled that policy in terms of, of actually having them there when they uh, took the lead out, you know. So that's that's one retaliation thing that's happening. Wow. And then another one over, and that's that's happening in Ravenswood. So I'm going down to Ravenswood on Wednesday to actually confront the management office. They got a new manager once again. Always somebody new, you know, right. so now we're going to go down there and hold them accountable for that. And the same thing in the story houses. They uh, knocked on the door of a resident. They filed an HP action wow. and they pretty much threatened her Tennessee, you know, mm -hmm. out of nowhere without giving any letters, no, no, no notices, no anything. So they're just doing this retaliation stuff uh, to really uh, prevent NYCHA residents from speaking out. Wow. So once again, NYCHA residents, don't, don't fall for it. Continue to fight for your right to have a decent place to live. You know, because that is your right. You know, yeah. beyond that, I got the COVID test um, on Friday. Vaccine. Saturday. You got the COVID vaccine. I got the vaccine. Okay. You know what? I don't know whether to clap or not yeah, for that. No, you know what? Give him some. We got to have it. We can get the COVID. Give him you know, some. So I had some, some ill effects, unfortunately. Uh, nothing major, you know, so I do want to let folks know who are thinking of taking it, you know, then um, you'll be all right. You know, I'm personally okay. You know, I feel a little tired. Had some a little slight fever, perhaps, you know, but okay. for the most part, I was able to fight through it. So I do encourage folks to to, to continue on. And then the last thing I would like to say is, we get oh, wait, 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 which which vaccine did you take? I got the, uh, the Johnson one. So okay, one, so shot, one shot deal. One shot. One shot deal. Did you feel a little tired? I felt tired. Still I tired today, yeah, right? Still tired today. Still mm -hmm. had some after effects. Uh, was tough getting out of bed. Um, definitely wow. not my normal self. You know, and I can still feel it today somewhat, you know, but today's better than yesterday. So I'm assuming tomorrow I'll be back uh, 100% feeling like my normal Good self. And yeah. I'm, I'm thinking I'm encouraging folks to take. I know there's some folks who don't want to, and it's a mm -hmm. personal choice. Like Rock. Right? 
But yeah, no, but, but, but I, I do I do advise folks to do it. And you're you know? out there in the, in the field. So and I, yeah, the people, yeah. Yeah, I got a petition. My petition is beginning. Yeah, right. Like, How's the campaign going? It's now getting to that that point. You know, we got to get four thousand signatures. So for those mm. who don't know, running as an independent is much more difficult than anything else. They did not reduce the number of signatures we need to get. You know, so it's a big challenge to get four thousand in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, which is why I said, let me get this shot. You know, as I know uh, my competitor um, got sick during the petitioning period. Um, Jimmy Van Bramer, you know, he caught COVID, you know, during this time period. So knowing and seeing what happened to him, I felt that I could not be out in that community at such an extent and put myself in numbers of risk. So I went and got the shot. We're now going to begin the, um, the petitioning process on the 13th. And um, it's real now. You know, now the campaign's real. We got some events coming up, which I'll share later on. Okay. And uh, we're going to get it started. Wow. The ball game's begun. Fantastic. Oh, wow. wow. All right. And now I must turn this over to our special guest. Hold on. Let me just open up the screen here. And there we go. Okay. So you're wide open here so I can see you. Please, special guest, let the people know who you are. It is your show now. Go. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hi. It's great to be with you. It's Julie Menon. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so delighted to be with you. Sort of an auspicious day because it is uh, both Easter, of course. So happy Easter to all who are celebrating. Um, but it's also the last day of Passover, which is a holiday that I celebrate. So they both coincide on the same day. So it's an auspicious day. And I'm so happy to be with all of you. Wonderful. We are glad you're here, Julie. Yes. Please tell us what your platform is. What are you running for? What office are you running for? Let's go. Let's get into it. I'm, I want to get involved. Okay, great. Well, thank you. So I'm running for city council in District 5. I have served as commissioner of three different agencies in New York City, so I've been involved with city government for a long time. I previously served as commissioner of consumer affairs for the city, where we launched the paid sick leave law and the living wage law and really focused on worker rights. I also served as commissioner of media and entertainment for the city. So I love what you all are doing because look, New York City is a media capital of the world and we need to be doing more to make sure that we are promoting um, all the voices in New York City and making sure that that message is getting out. So I love the fact that you're doing this and I thank you for having me on the show. Mm -hmm. And then I was a city census director and there I worked a lot with Sandrea on the census. She was an amazing partner to make sure that the city had a proper count. And I want to say on the census, we were able to beat almost every other city across the country to deliver right. billions of dollars for affordable housing and our schools and our hospitals and healthcare and so much more. So I'm running because we need strong experienced leadership. We have to remember that of the 51 uh, city council seats, 35 are going to be open this year. So right. two thirds yeah. of the council is about to turn over and yet we are in one of the worst crises that our city has ever faced. So I'm running in large part because I wanna play a leading role in helping our community and our city um, move forward from this terrible crisis that we're in. Wow, okay, aren't you awesome, awesome. Wow, so uh, have you, you've been in politics before? Have you run from office before? Have you held office before? Yeah, so I have not held office before. I've been in government a long time. So I mentioned I've been commissioner of these three different agencies, right. but I also served as a seven-year community board chair. 
So after 9-11, I chaired community board one and played a leading role in helping our city rebuild after 9-11. That was a really difficult time for the city. And I helped both residents and small businesses um, and really helped the city to rebuild. I think honestly, once again, we're in a crisis and we need strong experienced leadership. And one of the main functions of the city council is obviously to have oversight over city agencies. So if the city agencies are not delivering for New Yorkers, we need to hold them accountable. And that's really one of the functions I would like to do on the city council. I know these agencies really well, and I know how to be able to hold their feet to the fire. And then lastly, the one thing that I didn't um, mention is I'm also a teacher. I'm an adjunct professor at Columbia, and I teach a class on New York City government. Uh, specifically, the class I teach is called When Cities Take the Lead. It's mm -hmm. about the interplay between the city government, the state government, the federal government, and how New York City can take a leading role when the state and the federal government is not acting. So I'm really passionate about city government. I'm very excited to run for this office. I have to say, I think we've uh, undoubtedly built the most broadest, diverse coalition of support. I'm thrilled to be endorsed by the Central Labor Council representing over 300 unions. I've been endorsed wow. by the Teachers Union and DC 37 <laughs> yeah. representing our amazing city workers, hotel trades. Uh, 32BJ, the Nurses Union, the Sanitation Union, Communication Workers Union, Freelancers Union, and so many others, but also by so many elected officials, including Congressmember Nidia Velasquez and Congressmember Adriana Espayad and Congressmember Jerry Nadler and several of our council members, Carlina Rivera and Diana Ayala, and so many others. And I think that broad, diverse coalition is because, again, I know how to get things done. And in a crisis, we need people who understand city government and who can help to move the community and the city forward. I gotta, wow. tell, you, I gotta tell you something. Um, I really think you're underachieving here. <laughs> you should have ran for mayor. Like, <laughs> I'm hearing all these conditions, I'm like, all these endorsements. I'm like, you should have ran for mayor. Like, you just should have went straight for the top. Just go for the gusto. In time, in time, give it time. Let's get this seat. Those are so all powerful unions to be yeah. endorsed by. And there are a lot of mayoral candidates that not, that, not, that don't even have half the endorsements that you have. Half you know, experience. So, yeah, I mean, that is, that is, that is awesome. I mean, Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. I love public service. I've dedicated my life to it. I really believe in it. I believe in the power of government to make people's lives better. I think you know, what got me originally involved in public service was what happened on 9-11 because I owned a small business in lower Manhattan. Uh, this is before 9-11 and my business was devastated on 9-11. It was located a couple blocks away. That's uh -huh. really got me involved in public service because I truly believe that government can, if you've got the right people in government, actually work to make people's lives better. And so we saw it on 9-11. It's how I first got involved in public service. And I really believe in it. Um, I also would say the other thing that motivated me just on a personal level is my mom. And Sandra, I heard you say about your mom, and I'm sorry that this is a tough anniversary. I lost my mom a couple of years ago um, as well. But my mom was a Holocaust survivor mm -hmm. and she had a really, really tough life. And my grandfather was killed just because he was born Jewish. And so mm -hmm. I, think, I think about my mom and what she went through uh, and that actually really motivates me because it makes me feel that, you know, we do need to step up, we do need to stand up, and we need to work to try to make um, our city a better place. So let me ask a question now. What are your views on the privatization of NYCHA? 
So I'm against privatization of NYCHA. I don't believe that that is the path forward. I think we have to find a better way. And I think we can find a better way. You know, we're going to have a new mayor. We're going to have two thirds of the city council is going to turn over. And if we have people who are dedicated to finding a better way, I'm confident that we can. We need to put pressure on the federal government to allocate funding. I mentioned Congresswoman Nidia Velasquez before. Yeah. She's got a bill there that really would provide significant yeah. funding to NYCHA. We need to make sure that moves forward and we all need to stand together with a loud and clear voice on this wow absolutely yeah. now, i guess the follow-up question um the homeless issue is going to be major you know with all the evictions happening and um everything happening after COVID 19. how are you going to handle the homeless issue in your district where well, i think it's probably some controversy up there so and by the way what, what district are you in the, five so what's the area? I mean, oh, like sure. So it's um, the southern part of East Harlem. It's the Upper East Side and it's Roosevelt Island. And look, on the homelessness, I, I think there are a couple things we have to do to move forward. We need to provide more rental assistance. We need to provide more supportive housing. We have to do that as a city. And the city quite frankly, can be doing a lot more. The other thing that people honestly aren't talking about that I think really needs to happen is right now, there are almost 19 agencies, city agencies that are dealing with and addressing the homelessness issue. And they're kind of siloed. They're not really talking to each other. Why do we have 19 different city agencies that are working on addressing homelessness? We need to really create much better communication, a better collaboration at the city level to address it. And the other thing I would say is we are spending $3 billion a year uh, to provide city contracts to homeless um, shelters throughout the city. You know, we've got to make sure that these shelters are being operated in the correct way. We have to put in, I say this as a lawyer, like we've got to look at these contracts and if they're not working and they're not providing a safe and secure um, a place in these shelters, then they shouldn't be getting city money and we need to really be holding their feet to the fire to do the right thing. So there's a lot that we need to do to address homelessness, but I will say that we it starts with providing more rental assistance. It, it starts with providing more supportive housing and, and that's what we have to do. And so I'm deeply committed to that. And I think honestly, the city can do a far better job because the homelessness crisis is very sadly and tragically getting worse. Uh, so we need to step up and do more. Wow. Um, as a city council member, you know, and I asked this question during the forum, but I'm gonna, that I, that we hosted the Homes Eyes Coalition, but I'll ask it and ask you with uh, which two committees and city council would you think you'd be, you'll serve well in? Which so, two committees would yeah, it be? Thank you for asking that. So the committee that I really want to serve on is oversight and investigation. So ONI, oversight and investigations is a city council committee that holds oversight hearings over the city agencies. And so they are the um, committee that is supposed to hold these city agencies accountable. So if there, you know, there are enormous problems, as you know so well, and that you all are pointing out so strongly in NYCHA, O&I is a committee that then has to have oversight, but O&I also has oversight you know, over every city agency. 
and is the one to say, you know, you're not doing your job, you're not performing for the people, you need to do more. And so I think who better than someone who's actually served as a commissioner of three different agencies to be able to be on O&I. And look, obviously, I'd love to be able to, to chair that committee and really take a leading role in that. Uh, the second committee that I'm very passionate about is a health committee. I'm, I'm passionate about a lot of committees, but just the top two for me. The health committee, we have huge health disparities that are happening right now in the city. I wrote an op-ed for the Daily News this week that talked about vaccine disparities. I know you were talking about the vaccination uh, before, and so I'm so happy to hear everyone's getting vaccinated. But right now we have a real problem where white communities have doubled the vaccination rate as black and brown communities in our city. That is unconscionable, unconscionable. And so I called on the city to put to use the census outreach network that we did. We funded at the census 150 community organizations that are their trusted voice in their neighborhood. We should be funding those community organizations and having them out there as our trusted messengers. We worked with thousands of clergy members who again are the trusted voices in their neighborhood. Why the city is not utilizing that network yeah. that we at the census office put in place and built, I don't understand it. We have to do much more and the city needs to step up and really work with our community organizations, our clergy, our community groups to help on this vaccination issue. Because it's not only about the health and well-being of people all across the city, it's also about um, jobs. You know, unless people are vaccinated, we're not gonna be able to then move the city forward. And we yeah. still have record, record unemployment rates in the city of New York. So there's so much that needs to be done, but the health committee in particular, I think, um, is very interesting and can address some of those inequities. I also would say just on health issues, I've been a consumer protection lawyer for a long time. I've dealt with a lot of different health issues where um, companies are engaged in deceptive practices. Companies are not doing the right thing in terms of providing proper health care, uh, insurance issues. Those are issues I'm really passionate about and I want to work on. And on just a personal level, my mother um, passed away from a very rare type of cancer. And so I do think we can do much more to be focusing on, you know, can fighting cancer in this right. city. There are so many different products that have carcinogens in them that are yeah. just never disclosed. And we need to be, again, holding these businesses accountable when they're doing that. That is so true. What are, what are some of the issues that, um, that are happening in particularly in your district that need fixing? Well, small businesses, I mean, right now, small businesses, mom and pops that have been in our community for years and years and years are going out of business and they're hanging on and others are just literally hanging on by a thread. They're barely hanging on. And, and we need to do so much more. We had the same problem after 9-11 and I worked with, and I'm a former small business owner, so I worked with small businesses to help them recover after 9-11. We need to be doing that again right now. So what can we do? Well, there's a lot we can do. First of all, right now, we need to be providing federal grant money to these small businesses. Okay. Very few small businesses have been able to access the federal grants that are available. Why? Well, like you look at the forms, they're so confusing. You can't yep. even tell, is this a grant? Is it a loan? Do yep. you need to pay it back? When do you pay it back? What are the terms to pay it back? We have the same problem on 9-11 and I put together uh, as a lawyer, a team of lawyers 
pro bono. We help small businesses for free. And, and the, this is what the city should be do, doing, work with the City Bar Association, provide free legal assistance to these small businesses so we can get them the federal grant money that is on the table. We should be doing that immediately. Secondly, the city has a marketing and tourism arm. I used to serve in the executive board. It's called NYC and Company. They should be spending all of their money right now on a huge marketing and tourism program to support our mom and pop small businesses not only in, in, in the community that I want to represent, but all across the city of New York. Yeah. We need to be doing more. And we need boosters for the city, people who are really going to help promote our communities, our small businesses, and make sure that people are then coming back. We've got to get tourists coming back to New York City because so many of our small businesses, you know, their lifeblood is tourism. And so we need boosters for the city who are going to encourage tourists to come back to New York City. So there's a lot we can do to support our small businesses. We also have to get rid of this commercial rent tax that is really penalizing our small businesses. So there's a lot that, that the city council in particular can do to help all the, the thousands. There are about, I think, 240,000 small businesses right now in the city. And it's estimated that a third of them are going to go under because of COVID. A third. Wow. Like, oh, we can't let this happen. We got to stand up and stop this. So small businesses are definitely one. Wow. You know, affordable housing in the district. Mm -hmm. This is a huge issue. We have to build more affordable housing. And, and the city has to have a better program to build more affordable housing. We have to allocate more funding to build affordable. My mom grew up in a rent control department in this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I, you know, so I know this issue firsthand, like if we're not building affordable housing, you are not going to be able to preserve um, our communities all across the city of New York. So we need to be doing more to do that. So there are a lot of issues that are happening in our community. They're not unique just to our community. They're happening, quite frankly, all over the city, which is a lack of affordability. And then I would also say education. You know, I'm proud to be endorsed, but not only by the teachers union, but by CSA that represents all the administrators and supervisors in the schools. Um, and then the U of T, of course, representing all of our amazing teachers and retired teachers. And the reason I have their endorsement, when I chaired the community board, I was um, responsible for building three new public schools in the district, uh, including the city's first green school, PS276. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also that I've stood up against cuts to education, and that is incredibly important. We have to stand up with a really strong voice against any kind of cuts to education, and we have to stand up for our students and our teachers. So there's a lot we need to do in education. I'd say, to me, one of the number one issues we need to do like it's unacceptable when there are 36 kids in a class and there's no art room and no computer room and kids right. are eating lunch at 10 in the morning. Hmm. Why do we have that? Well, we're not building enough new schools and the city is constantly approving more and more development without ever looking to, well, wait a minute, like how many kids are we adding to a class? So when new projects are being approved for, on a zoning perspective by the city, there is no requirement that they look at, well, how many new students is that going to add to that school district? That's crazy. That makes no sense. So there's a lot we need to do on education as well. So I do got a follow-up question on the education issue. So I know there's a big fight uh, between those who are promoting charter schools and the public schools. And I believe they're fighting to erase the cap uh, for charter schools. So what is your position on that? 
Well, I first of all, I think we need to be doing more to be supporting our public schools in general. And, and you know, I think the problem that we have uh, so often in terms of the charter schools is the city then makes a decision to co-locate the charter school next to a traditional public school. And the public school, the traditional public school students are saying, well, wait a minute, I don't have an art room. I don't have a computer. I'm having lunch at 10, 20 in the morning. And so it's creating this issue. And I, I just think that that is a problem. So I, you know, I've been really proud to work very closely with the UFT and the teachers union on trying to build new schools and, and, and something that we definitely, you know, need to do. And, and so I think the co-location issue is one of the issues that's creating a lot of this tension and a lot of this animosity. And so I think the city needs to look at other places instead of like doing these co-locations, which only creates, you know, more animosity and more division. So I think that's something that absolutely, you know, we can do. Wow. Um, so I, we know that uh, evictions are looming, right? Yeah. right. Um, and we hear the outcries of cancel the rent, cancel mortgages. Uh, as a city council member, how can you help and assist with that um, to prevent, you know, people from losing their homes, their houses, their apartments, uh, just because of this, you know, pandemic. And even before this pandemic, people were, you know, struggling financially anyway. And now it's like double for them. A hundred percent. I mean, look, people cannot be evicted because of what is happening uh, around COVID. And so we need to basically extend that uh, eviction protection um, without a doubt. But there's also more the city can be doing. I mean, we do have a right to council law, but it, it, it's mm. only phased in into certain zip codes. We need to make it universal so that the right to council law is, is extending to anyone who needs that right to council. I really believe as a lawyer, like this idea of right to council is incredibly important. So if I was in the city council, I would work to um, get a bill enacted that actually extends the current right to council bill, which is more limited in scope. So that's something that the council 100% has the power and authority to do and that I would work on. But we need to do more to provide more rental assistance. I mean, the yeah. city has become unaffordable. And so the only way to really address that is for the, the city to be building more affordable housing. When I chaired community board one, I was really proud of the fact we actually had a whole affordable housing task force. I mean, I, I created it. We didn't have one before I was chair of the board. We created it. We did an inventory of every single affordable housing unit, unit in the district. Why? Because we wanted to make sure that we could prefer, uh, preserve the affordable housing stock that we had and then really focus the city on building new affordable housing at the same time. And so that's that's what we have to do. I think, you know, we're at a crossroads right now as a city. We're at a crossroads and we have decisions to make. You know, yeah. This primary is a couple months away and all the voters have a decision. It's not only in my race with the city council, it's on the mayor's race, the controller's race, yeah. all these different open seats and it's a choice. Are we gonna move our city forward? Are we gonna elect people who know how to get things done, whether it's by building affordable housing, building new schools, helping to create jobs? These are the issues that are facing our city. And so this is why I'm really excited to be running right now at this, at this particular juncture in time. Awesome. Let's go to the video. Your video, okay. your campaign oh, yeah. video. Great, great, great. Okay. Yeah, hold on. Let, yeah, let, let, let everybody see it. Okay, let's, let's cut loose. America. 
we're all supposed to be equal under the Wait, law. Is that the right thing? No, 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 I'm Julie Menon. Okay. Yeah, that's that's it. It. Okay. What, that was it? That's yeah, it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, y'all scared me. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yes. That's All right, it. cool. All right, now let's go. All right. I'm Julie Menon, and I'm running for city council. For me, New York City has Wait, always on. been a story of overcoming. Sorry, Julie, hold on for one second. I just got to do something no to on camera. And here it goes. Here it comes again. You ready? Booyah! Okay. I'm Julie Menon, and I'm running for city council. For me, New York City has always been a story of overcoming the biggest challenges and coming out stronger on the other side. I saw it in my own family. My mom was an immigrant from Hungary. She and my grandparents were Holocaust survivors, and they settled in Yorkville, so I've always known this was home. Growing up, my parents taught me that anything worth having is worth fighting for. We fought our way back from four ugly years in Washington, and here at home, we're struggling to overcome the toughest year New York City has ever faced. I've successfully led three New York City agencies under multiple administrations, and each job made it more and more clear to me that the way to make government work for people is to not let personality get in the way of progress. After 9-11, I served as community board chair with the mission of rebuilding Manhattan from schools to small businesses at a time when the cynics said New York would never come back. But guess what? We did. And we did it block by block, neighborhood by neighborhood. When I led the Consumer Affairs Department, I took that same approach. I pushed back against the ticket blitz that was crushing so many small businesses. I implemented the paid sick leave law so working parents didn't have to choose between their kids' health and their paycheck. And I created a new program to give 10,000 kindergartners a college savings account so more kids had a shot at success. When I led the census, we understood why it was so important that we get an accurate count because those federal dollars fund our schools and affordable housing and healthcare, you name it. All of those things helped us lift up New York families and keep our neighborhoods intact during extraordinarily challenging times. And that's why I'm running for city council, to be a voice for the East Side while we wage war on coronavirus, fight to keep our restaurants and small businesses alive, and make sure racial justice isn't an afterthought, but a blueprint for restoring trust in the government that we pay for. If we remember that mission and always put people first, I know we're gonna come out stronger and better than ever before, because that's what New York City does. I'm Julie Menon, and I approve this message. <laughs> Wonderful. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Hold on, I gotta give you the horns too, hold on. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Powerhouse, was powerhouse. Yeah, yeah. We have a question in the chat from Renee Simone. Uh, can you? She says, can you ask her what she defines as affordable? Uh, this is such an important question, Renee. Thank you for asking it. So we have a real problem uh, in terms of the definition of affordable housing. Right now, what the city uses is called AMI, which is basically the area median income. But the problem is it's not for the particular neighborhood that you might live in. Right. It's this regional number. 
And so that includes, for example, the suburbs. I mean, this makes no sense. We need a hyper-local, truly community-oriented definition of affordable housing. And we don't have that right now. So we've got to change it. And we need elected officials, honestly, who are going to fight to make sure that the definition of affordable housing is what is actually affordable within that community, not what yeah. is like affordable for Westchester. So yeah. I feel really strongly about it. I've been speaking about it for a long time. It's possible to change it, but but we need to do that. So what 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 kind of formula would we have to create to make that work? Like, would it be income based? What you know, uh, uh, like how would we create that formula, or what would the formula look like? Yeah, it should be income based, uh, but the, but it needs to be local. Like, so it just doesn't make sense to have this regional approach because I mentioned like Westchester, but Westchester County, I mean, what's affordable there is very different than yeah. New York City. And so, you know, it could be based on the local community board. It could be a geographic area such as a community board or a council district or something that is much, much more local and makes more sense. And that is one way that obviously we'd be able to get to the affordability issue. So this is a huge problem. I think a lot of people like aren't aware of it um, because it's just something that has existed for a long time and that quite frankly needs to change. And so we, 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 we have to push forward and, and, and make it change. I agree 100% on that one. That's one of the major issues with affordable housing. You hit yeah. it right on the nail. Yeah. And it's unfair in all, that, in all these communities yeah. It ends up with people not being able to afford to right. move into the development or the building in their in their community. Right. And it goes on and on. So I'm it glad you addressed that. And that's common sense. Yeah, it right. impacts that's us. Yeah. 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 Right. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. It's in incredibly important. And the other thing we need to do that we haven't really talked about is you know, we have this land use review process, this yep. process, ULERP. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, in my opinion, it's totally broken. Yep. It just makes no sense how the city proposes a rezoning and every single time there's a different result. So sometimes, you know, communities will fight it and maybe there's some more affordable housing built, but more often not. Sometimes community fight it and maybe like we did in lower Manhattan, we were able to build some new schools, but, but oftentimes that isn't the case. And so it, this is other cities are doing affordable housing so much better than New York City. And so we need to really look at our land use process and change it once and for all. And we can do that. So I hope to be in the council. I hope to work on issues like that. It's one of the reasons that I'm really passionate about running. I think if you have people, honestly, who are very experienced with city government, it's going to make a difference because that will enable us to be able to obviously get more things done. And the other thing I just want to mention that we didn't talk about, if I could, um, yeah. is child savings accounts. I really believe oh, yeah. in them. So uh, when I was Commissioner of Consumer Affairs, I created a program uh, called NYC Kids Rise. Mm -hmm. We did it in District 30 in Queens. We have created over 10,000 college savings accounts. They start in kindergarten. It's an amazing, amazing program. Because, and the reason I got really excited about it and created the program is because the research shows that a low-income child with a college savings account is three times more likely to go to college than a child that doesn't have a college savings account. Because it's not only the additional funds that the account provides, it's also aspirational. If someone is saying to you starting in kindergarten, we believe in you and we believe that you are going to college, mm -hmm. it, it becomes a reality. And it happens. And so 
I want this program to go citywide. It shouldn't just be in District 30 in Queens. I'm thrilled that it's in District 30 and we did a lot of work there, but it should be all across the city. Any kindergartner that wants this program should be able to have it. Wow. And so if I'm in the council, I would 100% introduce legislation to create this universal college savings account program. You know, where, do, where, do, where does that funding come from? So it is private funding. So originally I went to the mayor with this idea to try to get it into the city budget. At the time, the mayor was not um, on board with putting it into the city budget. Mm -hmm. So he said, well, if you like this project, you know, go out and, and fight for it and go raise money in the philanthropic community. And I did that. And I raised the money to make this project happen. And so we had the funding to fund 10,000 kids. And we decided to pick wow. District 30 in Queens because it was just sort of demographically representative of the city as a whole in terms of diversity. And so we wanted to pilot the program there and we did. But this program for not that much additional funding should be embedded mm -hmm. in the city budget and yes. every public yeah. school kindergartner should have the ability to get a college savings account. It also, by the way, has the benefit of providing sort of financial literacy to families and talk of, you know, sort of talk about financial empowerment and all of that. So that's really important as well. That's now, beautiful. Do you, can do she you, get some, can you yeah. give us you some You know what? That? I gotta give you something. Hold on, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> that was, oh yeah. my God. Wow, that's that powerful. I feel like I need that at home. Like, can I have that at home? So that, like, when I do something, I wake up and then where I can get that. And that is like so huge for motivation. <laughs> you should bottle that and sell that. I mean, that that works. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, love it. What you said was just so was was wonderful. Yeah. Um. I and 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 so I'm gonna devil advocate you a little bit, right? Some yeah. people would say that very, that sure. feels very socialist type of a vibe. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you answer that? You know, it feels like socialism. You know, that's what it yeah. feels like. Well, I think you know? it's a some proper, people think that. Yeah, I I understand what you're, but I I I don't think that. I think it's 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 the right use for city taxpayer money to fund college savings accounts. We can do this program for not that much funding. And we concede, there are 85,000 uh, kindergartners, by the way, in the public school system. We concede them all with a college savings account. That money is invested in the state's 529, so it actually uh, grows over time and increases. I'm sorry, the 520, just for the people that don't know, what okay, is the so, state's 529? So the state has a program called the 529, which is the state's college savings program. Uh, we actually, and so the money's invested in that, meaning it grows interest-free and compounds over time. So, you know, a hundred dollars that's put in in kindergarten can, depending on the, the rate that it grows and what it's invested in, you know, be a thousand dollars upon graduation or more. Um, you know, it just depends on 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 what what the state invested in. There are different options. So, and the other thing I would say about that is originally, and I worked with controller Tom DiNapoli, who has endorsed me in my race, I should say, and I worked with the controller on this because originally what the state's program had is if you wanted to contribute to this um, 529 college savings account that you might open for your child, you had to do a minimum contribution of $25 every time you want to contribute. And we thought that wasn't fair. What if you want to contribute a dollar? What if you want to contribute $5? We thought it was unfair to set the limit at 25. It seemed too high. So we got the state to lower it so that it could mean that 
you know, if a family, if a grandmother wants to uh, save for her grandchild's education and wants to put in $5, you can do it. If the next month that same grandmother wants to put in another $5, she can. And so we were able to lower the limit and that I think was, you know, incredibly important. And we also were able to provide these college savings accounts for um, those children that are undocumented. That was hugely okay. important because they our yeah. undocumented children in the city were very tragically being left behind. So we were able to work out to provide this program for them. And that I think was probably one of the most meaningful moments we had in, in working on that project. So now do you um, agree with taxing the billionaires to raise some of the revenues that the city's gonna need to get us out of this uh, crisis that we're in? So I'm so glad you're asking that question. So in 2011, when I chaired Community Board One, I actually held a press conference with UFT President Michael Mulgrew. And specifically, um, we together jointly called for the extension of the millionaire's tax to offset cuts to education, because it, it was very clear that the, you know, there were all of these cuts that were being made to our public schools. And we felt very strongly that that we should extend a millionaire's tax. So yes, I do think that we need to look at these um, taxes to make sure that we are providing for our city's most vulnerable, whether the, that funding is held in a lockbox for education or other uses. Um, so I do believe that. Uh, I also, however, do wanna say that you know, the function of the city council is to focus on city issues. And the city council, obviously, you know, the tax issues you mentioned are state issue. What I would want the city council to do and to focus on is also the budget and, and fixing the problem we have with the budget. Under Mayor de Blasio, there was a huge increase in spending in terms of hiring special advisors at city hall and mm. at a lot of the city agencies. So he really ballooned these special advisors. And I think we honestly wanna look at that. And we wanna make sure that some of the programs that were on the chopping block last year in the budget, like summer youth employment, that's mm -hmm. 70,000 yeah. jobs for our yeah. summer youth. How can yeah. the city cut that? I don't wanna see that. So I wanna see the city making sure that we are cutting areas that, that, that should be cut, like all these kind of special advisors that were hired the past seven years but not cutting summer youth employment. So I do think as a city council member, we have to focus on like, what are the powers of the city government? Well, we focus on the on the budget and we need to take a really hard look at that. Wow. And I guess um, a follow-up question, what is your position on defunding the police and cutting, sure. their, cutting their spending? Sure, so happy to talk about that. So I've been on the reform council uh, board of the Vera Institute. It's one of the leading criminal justice organizations in the city. We played a leading role in Close Rikers uh, on that campaign. Wow. And I'm delighted to serve on the Reform Council of Vera. I do think that there is so much more that needs to be done in terms of the NYPD. Right now, approximately 40% of the calls that are, are going into 911 are actually not about crime. They're mental health issues, they're issues mm -hmm. regarding the homeless. I don't believe that we should have the NYPD involved in those issues. So what right. I would like to see is I'd like to see issues regarding the homelessness and issues regarding mental health really go to social workers and experts in those areas, not the police. I also, by the way, routine traffic stops, 
we shouldn't have the NYPD involved in routine traffic stops. We should move that again to DOT. And so what I'd like to see is take those functions out of the NYPD. I'd also like to see greater police accountability. There's a lot we can do. Right now, the city is spending over $200 million a year settling these NYPD lawsuits. Why are we doing that? That, that doesn't make any sense. And we need to create greater police accountability. And so I think that there are so many different ways that we can do that by building better community police uh, relations is, is certainly something that we need to focus on. We also should have some kind of national registry on police disciplinary records mm -hmm. because while the state did repeal 50A, yes. you know, a lot of times these records are really not public. And I think creating a city registry or a national registry yes. would go a long way to creating better police accountability. So there's a lot that the city council can do. Those are a few of the ways. And certainly uh, the civilian complaint board and making sure that it's really empowered. You know, a lot of times, and I see this as a former city commissioner, you know, you can have an agency, an entity, but if it's not given like true power and resources to investigate, it's kind of toothless. And so we need to really make sure that they have the proper resources and that to, to do proper investigations. So those are a few of the ways that I would approach yeah. that issue. Uh, just one thing I just want to address with the mental health situation. That's kind of a, that's going to be a tough one to really regulate to or delegate to, um, you know, like a social worker or somebody that does that because you really, I'm an EMS worker. I wasn't an EMS worker. Yeah. You really don't know what you're walking into. Right. When you go into a home and, 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 and the person is mentally ill, you're not really sure if they're violent or if they're nonviolent. You're not really sure about that. And there has to be a balance that, you know, maybe the social worker will accompany the police to deal with the, you know, to, to, to deal with the emotionally disturbed person. Like it would have to be something like that, because if it is a violent, emotionally disturbed person, it's too late at that stage of the game for the social worker to really handle the situation. So there has to, to me, I feel like there has to be a balance with that. I still think that the police have to be involved in that call, but maybe they don't take the lead. It's more of a, uh -huh. a, a protection thing, which they do for EMS workers. Cause when we go to the scene, the, the, the police are there also to make sure that we're safe. So I just think that maybe that might be a better balance. Sure. And I think what I'm really focused on are the routine mental health calls, calls that are coming into 911 about a, a more routine mental health issue that you could send in a mental health, a trained mental health expert to be able to address. So that's just something I think that 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 can happen. Um, I want to ask you a question. Uh, so we know that uh, Biden signed the COVID relief bill and there is funding, you know, for a lot of spaces and places and people and vaccines and so forth. But there's also funding in there for education in schools. So um, should the families like in public schools or even charter schools have a say of how that would look or, you know, because I'm not sure how that's going to pan out. Mm -hmm. with that yeah, I mean, I, as a former seven-year community board chair, I'm always for community input, and in this case, parental input, UFT input. There are many stakeholders involved in education issues. Right. I think one of the things that I bring to the table is being able to, having worked 
for years with so many different stakeholders, the ability to be able to bring people together, you know, to seek input. I, I just am a huge believer in better decision-making happens with proper community input. When you involve the stakeholders and you involve them on day one, from the get-go, right. you generally get better outcomes, generally. Yeah. So um, yes, of course, parents absolutely should be involved. The UFT 100% will be involved. DOE, the CECs, the PTAs, you've got so many different stakeholders. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing about New York. You know, we live in, I think, in the greatest city in the world. There's no shortage of opinions. We're New Yorkers. We're loud. We're, <laughs> we're proud. We have a lot of views and we want people to have those views. And so, yeah. of course, we have to bring these stakeholders together. Um, to make sure that we're getting proper spending on education. Also that we're building new schools because I really do worry about this. If we don't focus ahead of the curve on building new schools, we're gonna continue to be plagued by the same problems of overcrowded classes, of not having, some schools don't have gyms, some schools, as I mentioned before, don't have art rooms or computer rooms or the things, honestly, the kids deserve to have in every school. Um, I'm gonna ask a question from the chat room. Uh, Renee Simone says, will you work to have the PBA get insurance so they will pay out the complaints instead of taxpayers? Mm. And that's a very interesting issue. Um, we have to work on this issue of the lawsuit. So I used to work at the city law department. I had a very senior role at the city law department. The city law department obviously deals with a lot of those suits, although that was not my field, just to be clear. Um, but we have to find a better path. Um, and I'm, you know, I'd love to explore like, what is the better way to do that? How, are, how can we get, first of all, the fact that the city's paying $200 million, why are we doing this? It, it doesn't make sense. This is not a rational approach. It shouldn't happen. So I do think that there's a better path and I'm, I'm definitely open to figuring out like, what is that right path, but we need, and I think we'll be able to do it next year on the council, because again, you're gonna have 35 new members. You're gonna have an opportunity. It's gonna be huge energy, I think, towards moving things forward and changing some of the approaches that the city has been utilizing in the past. It's like when you get kind of a new fresh approach, I think that's when you get sort of outside the box ideas to address it. So I'm, I'm definitely open to looking at that issue. I've been talking about it for a while and we have to. Okay, all right. Well, you are well-versed, I gotta tell you. <laughs> Oh wow! I per, I I actually I, I actually endorsed Julie Menon personally. Yes, I did. I did a video and everything. I actually endorsed her as a, a leader in my community. So yeah, and she has a lot of other leaders as well, district leaders and so forth. So yeah, powerhouse. I want the best. I want right. the best for my community. Honestly, right, right, you know. Right, right. And I also I look at a city council member is although. I can have direct, whether I knew Julie or not, I'm going to hold them accountable, you know, so she knows, but anybody, I, you know, even with who's in, in the seat now, but I want, like I said, I want the best for my community, but I know city council is city council. Right. So it's also the best for the city. That's, that's, that's how I look at it. I got the applause again. Yay. I love it. <laughs> So, so on the issue of um, education, uh, New, York, New York City is still very segregated in terms of um, the school system. Yes. So what thoughts would you have on desegregating the segregated school system here in New York? 
Yeah, we have to focus on equity and inclusion, undoubtedly. Um, this is a, a, an enormous problem. And, and it basically is citywide. It's, it's, we really need an approach that's citywide that is looking at all of our schools and figuring out how we can focus on equity and inclusion. Um, I also happen to be someone who does believe that we need to utilize our gifted and talented programs and create a more diverse pool with our gifted and talented programs. Yeah. There are some, by the way, who have an opposite view. Just to be clear, there's some who say, let's just get rid of them entirely. Right. I actually don't think that that's the path forward. I think we should actually keep our gifted and talented programs, but broaden them, make them more inclusive. But we need to, you know, overall, whether it be um, in grade school, middle school, high school, we have to address this uh, equal access issue. And, you know, it's going to be up to the next mayor to do that. Um, and so, and the city council as well. But the mayor obviously uh, has the chief role in it, um, you know, appointing the chancellor. And so I do think that there's going to be an opportunity next year to focus on how do we build a broader, most more diverse um, school system you know, for our kids. So I, I think it's doable. I think it absolutely is. Um, and I look forward to working on issues like that. I mean, I mentioned the UFT and my longstanding relationship with them. They endorsed me the day that I announced. And wow. I know that I can help to, you know, work with all the different stakeholders to help craft a path forward on that because there's been a lot of division. There's been a lot of divisive rhetoric around it. And I'm just not a believer, like divisive rhetoric, what does that get us? We actually all need to like go into the room, bring the stakeholders together and work on a solution. Um, so I just am known as someone who gets things done. I don't really um, like wasting time. So I, I hope to be in the council and to be able to work on issues like that. And I honestly think that I'm, you know, the right person to be able to work on that issue. Yes. Go, Julie. Go, Julie. Oh, man, you know, now you get the horns. Hold on. <laughs> you're spoiling her, okay? You're spoiling her. <laughs> I kind of come back more often. I really I know, do. Right? Now Deep. you're stuck with me. Now I'm going to come back again. Okay. You're going to her again. I'm right? coming back for the horn. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> we love it. Just Who's dropping by, right? Julie's dropping by. Again, dropping again. We like that. <laughs> so uh, we've, we've reached the hour, but what I want to do in the last five minutes, um, first of all, is there anything that you want to say and also, I want to make sure I play your video again. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I really want to thank you all for having me. This was such an amazing conversation. I, yes. I love your show. I think it is fantastic what you're doing. I thank you so much for taking a little bit of time to speak with me on these issues that affect not only Council District 5, but honestly, the whole city. Yes. Um, yeah. For anyone that wants to learn more, I'll give my website, which is julie4nyc.com and four is spelled out. So it's Julie, F O R nyc.com. Um, my email's on there. I love getting emails. Would love to engage with people. We have a, a, approximately 80 days left to the primary. Wow. Um, we've got ranked choice voting. Mm -hmm. There are three ways to vote. People can vote with 10 days of early voting. The Democratic primary is June 22nd, of course, or um, some people will be voting, of course, by absentee ballot. Uh, but most importantly, people should vote because you need to have a say in what direction the city is going. Are we going forward or are we staying still? I want to move yeah. the city forward. So that's why I'm running. And, mm -hmm. you know, I really appreciate you having me on today. 
Thank you for oh, coming. You're very yes. welcome. And Thank also, you can you uh, please, you know, go into our chat and engage with any, you know, of our viewership, you know, that might had a question that wasn't answered, you know, if there's anything in there, yeah. um, that'll be great. And, um, you know, for our, for our, you know, once again, thank you for coming on. Absolutely. We appreciate you. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, you're, you're a powerhouse. I mean, as he said, <laughs> you should be run, should have been running for mayor, right? Yeah, like, but we but we yeah, got to we, we got to get the yeah, city council yeah, yeah. get get her in, and and mm-hmm. then you know she's gonna keep climbing. It's like no doubt about it. You're a powerhouse, and you know the city needs you. Someone like yourself. So, um, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. I thank really, you. Andrea, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for having me. This was an Absolutely. amazing yes. Yes, was great. Really and appreciate it. And, and gonna, are we going to end with the horns? Do we get one more horn? Yes. 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 Run your video. And I'm going to run your video again. All right. Thank you. And there you go. I'm Julie Menon, and I'm running for city council. For me, New York City has always been a story of overcoming the biggest challenges and coming out stronger on the other side. I saw it in my own family. My mom was an immigrant from Hungary. She and my grandparents were Holocaust survivors and they settled in Yorkville. So I've always known this was home. Growing up, my parents taught me that anything worth having is worth fighting for. We fought our way back from four ugly years in Washington, and here at home, we're struggling to overcome the toughest year New York City has ever faced. I've successfully led three New York City agencies under multiple administrations, and each job made it more and more clear to me that the way to make government work for people is to not let personality get in the way of progress. After 9-11, I served as community board chair with the mission of rebuilding Manhattan from schools to small businesses at a time when the cynics said New York would never come back. But guess what? We did. And we did it block by block, neighborhood by neighborhood. When I led the Consumer Affairs Department, I took that same approach. I pushed back against the ticket blitz that was crushing so many small businesses. I implemented the paid sick leave law so working parents didn't have to choose between their kids' health and their paycheck. And I created a new program to give 10,000 kindergartners a college savings account so more kids had a shot at success. When I led the census, we understood why it was so important that we get an accurate count because those federal dollars fund our schools and affordable housing and healthcare, you name it. All of those things helped us lift up New York families and keep our neighborhoods intact during extraordinarily challenging times. And that's why I'm running for city council to be a voice for the East Side while we wage war on coronavirus, fight to keep our restaurants and small businesses alive, and make sure racial justice isn't an afterthought, but a blueprint for restoring trust in the government that we pay for. If we remember that mission and always put people first, I know we're gonna come out stronger and better than ever before, because that's what New York City does. I'm Julie Menon, and I approve this message. Wonderful. I love playing that video. I gotta tell you that, Julie. I love Thank it. Thank you. Thank who you. Do we have com- who do we have coming on next week, Sandrea? Oh, ooh, Sandrea's mic's not on. Hold on. Oops. Oops. There you okay. go. <laughs> yeah. So once again, thank you. Yeah, the video was phenomenal. Uh next week we have City Council member Ben Kalos will be our guest next week. Uh he is running for Manhattan. Uh, borough president and I'm proud to say that he will be our first elected official to come on the One Nitro Show.
We're climbing. We're climbing. We're moving on up. Yeah. Yeah, right, and Julie, awesome, Julie's awesome. a heavy hitter. So oh, no, that was yeah. good. Jimmy, let me tell you, you were probably <laughs> one of the most phenomenal people we've had on the show. Mm, like, yeah. and I'm not even, I'm not even saying it like just like because you're here. Like, right. you were really very engaging. Your background, yeah, your yeah. background was 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 thorough and thick. Right. I mean, it was a lot of. I mean, it was right. great. We're honored to have you, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and, more, and more impressive than some of our I could definitely say more impressive than some of our mayoral candidates today. <laughs> yeah. I would just say that. Ooh. Horn, she needs a horn again. She and, loves and you horn. know what, Julie? <laughs> I'm, I'm saying it right now. You ready? Julie meant it for me. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. What, what year? What year? What year? Okay. Uh, 2025. What's that? 2025? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we, we will speak it into existence. Yes. Julie, I want to thank, thank you. Thank you. A lot of fun. And, uh, it was such a pleasure spending yeah. this afternoon with you. It was really a highlight. And yeah. I saw it. Easter, yeah. 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 And Sunday. We will speak to you soon. Yes. Okay. We're lifting off. Lifting off. One night to one people. One night to one people. One yes. night to one people. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.